Blog Talk Radio. I'm 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 African, uh, there, Nathan. It is 904 <laughs> here in the mountains <laughs> over the prairies. Uh, welcome to Zambia Block Talk uh, Radio. 
Um, let's see where Titus uh, was. There was a, a, a very good discussion there, Anasan, which started. Uh, Titus, if you haven't forgotten where you ended, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, let me go ahead. Hello. Uh, what I was saying is, I've watched carefully. Sometimes we talk, even myself, I can say, hey, let's look for Zambians to start to do this, so whatever it is. I don't know, we never start by... Uh, is there anybody who has a tractor? Is there anybody who has a farm, farm that is just sitting? The reason I'm saying that I is have a farm. The, I, I know that is why I'm saying that if you have a farm, Roger, the only question I can have is you will be talking to other people to buy five acres again of land somewhere else, which calls for $20,000 or $5,000. And then you fail mm-hmm. to get the combination of people to get that $5,000. Then the, the idea of whatever you want to do with that farm dies. And yet, my point is, you have whatever acres in Chongo. That's my point. And then the question is, what are you doing with you? Maybe your acres you have is even more than what you're trying to buy as a collection. The reason I'm saying this is Zambians, I think, I think Zambians like to see the deliverables. For them to convey, I can say, Roger has a lot of money. If they don't see anything according to their eyes that, oh, whether they think you should drive a Range Rover or whatever, if they don't see that, they'll be thinking maybe not when you are. When you are. What about so Bela's saying, point you brought? Bella's point oh, he brought of about the Kalimba the, and stuff that it doesn't. Uh, no, which point? The the, the issue of um, having different disposable incomes. Mm-hmm. Um, a, someone might be able to afford to put a thousand a month, and mm-hmm. then some of us can't. This is why but we are oh we've got that hat. I, I don't know at my, my at my, my is this my body is weeding but my soul is is weak. Oh my my yeah. soul is weeding but yeah, my body is, is weak. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. is why I'm trying this is why I'm trying to scale down what money you have to look for by using mm-hmm. a shortcut. If you have a farm, Roger, to buy your farm today at twenty quarter a dollar. I don't know how big your farm is, but you're going to spit out an amount, which is 1000 Then to divide those 1000 it will be, oh, let's put in $20 or 100 or 1000 each person, and we are looking for 20 people or 50 people. Then we only five, six that have put in, and we have failed to buy the land. When my point is you already have it. Now, when you already have it, people just have to check. We cannot buy a farm that has, a, you know, maybe no proper papers. You already have it. We can check, and it, it's already existing. And if you are for that same idea of whatever you want to do with the pe- other people, to me, I'm just saying it's a shortcut. If you had to look for $20,000, you probably need to 
how people buy shares into your farm, which means it's a smaller amount you're going to look for. Our trust level. How do we work on that? The trust level. The trust level, how you're going to do it. Okay. Yeah, I think one thing that deals with both the trust level and the level of income is this. Look, if if um we're going to uh put up a project for hundred thousand dollars, right? And uh, mm-hmm. none of us has that hundred thousand dollars or even half of that. It's very possible mm-hmm. that okay, with this project maybe today we don't have a hundred thousand dollars. But if we start with our five hundred dollars, ten of us come together. In five years' time, we'll have raised enough capital to go and tackle maybe two times what we need to do, what we're trying to do. We have to be willing to start where we are. Because one thing that I found in our community, we all come up with these grand ideas, looking at colossal sums of money, which we don't. Now, it is okay if I can go and source that money, and maybe it takes me two years to be able to source that money and go ahead the project. But in the meantime, we should be able to start in Akantemba and grow from there. You know, we, we are, as we are growing the campaign, but with $500 investment, we are also growing in our discipline levels. We are growing in our trust exactly. levels. We are growing in an experience exactly. of being able to handle people. It's the same thing that happened exactly. in my business. When I started, my average client was worth maybe $70 uh, for every job. Now, my average client is worth uh, an average of is about $200. You know, so... It's, it's, um, we have to be willing to grow. We've seen it with the Indians. Not all of them come in with a huge capital. They come in, panono, panono, they grow, they become. You read stories of Chinese coming into Zambia with $5,000, oh. now he's making $100,000 a month. But they started with where they were. So, That's just I'm because you have capital today, it doesn't mean we is... can never run a multi-million dollar company. Remember that a Chinese, when he comes, if he has a one house, if it's an Indian, has one shop in Kamara. I don't know mm-hmm. for the Copper Belt. There will be a Chinese, a, an Indian who has that shop. Have yes. you ever found the, the Indians talking about, let's put monies together so we buy a second shop this side? Whoever comes, comes through that same shop. That is already yes. existing. So I'm saying we are, they are not going backwards to find money for that shop. To cut the thing all short, I did want to disclose. I have 340 acres right now. That is mine. You quantify yeah. that. What is that in dollars? And then you are talking to me to try and put a $2,000, which I don't have now, into some fund looking for 100 people. Yeah. Yes, on arrival. But doesn't mean there's no 300. So, yes, that's why I told you. If you're going to use that, I drive a Range Rover, maybe you think I can have $100,000. I don't drive a Range Rover. So you're going to yeah. say that I don't have it. But all I'll ask you is, what is 340 acres? Yeah. You see, Today, but, 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 yeah. When you quantify what that is, when you, when you quantify what that is, that's what I have. So if I hear, oh, let's put this by five acres in Chilanga or whatever you're going to talk about, I'm just saying from my direction, you are wasting time because you bought 10 animals today. You're putting $10 each and you buy this pregnant animals, 4,500 English breed. You can buy it today. In eight months, it will be two. 
In five years, yeah. you're talking about how many cows are you going to have? They can be on the farm. So you, the, you are going to choose what there. you want to do as that you're going all these years, and it fails. That's what I see, that's and that's like, there's nothing I can say. I, I just have to, that's why I would put it to my mind to say, you know what, I'll just buy that cow myself and whatever, and then later on, whatever. <laughs> Maybe one day when I buy a Range Rover, I'll be like, this broke guy, why, how did he buy a Range Rover? That's when you're going to know that, oh, he had 20 cows, he started all the savings we are talking about, disposable income and stuff like that. I've shipped things to Zambia, I've spent $1,600 to ship Amazon. I ask myself, that's 16 if I bought cows. Next year, they'll be double whatever I would have bought. Yeah. So it's just my fault to start. Okay. I talk uh, to other people. <laughs> it might not work, but the, it gets back to the my drawing board. I do uh, it. Titus. Yes. Like we said, all, all these discussions, they start from Nathan's show. Uh, yeah, we conclude them well. So here is the challenge. Brother has 340 uh, acres. Uh, just a little bit there. Two months we can feed it with 100 goats. So you you, you talk to me. I already have like three. That. I already have three there. I'm, I'm buying so them at this. the end of this. I'm uh, listening. Uh, show. Oh, let's do this goat farm. Let's go and ask this one. Let's do this. I just listen. There's nothing. I don't want to <laughs> say anything. But it looks like <laughs> running around, running around. <laughs> I mean, Roger, Roger, I have seen Roger, I had yes. an example of my late uncle who died, Mr. Sikatea, in Zimba. I saw him. I didn't know anything. He was in UK. He was working for Tuarese Board. You know what he did? He trusted Dad at the farm. Nathan has been there. He was buying his barbed wire. You want barbed wire? You want dip? 20 liters dip is shipped from England to Zambia. All the contract was, all this money I've done, when I come into Zambia, I'll get animals. He had bought a farm. When he came in, we loaded 20 cows. You see, he did not have to buy 20 cows at the time he came in. He had already done it. So that's why I'm saying that there's always a trust factor somewhere, wherever you believe. This is why I'm saying Zambians like to see something, maybe that's when they prove. Because if I say I have to buy a farm, 300 acres, you're thinking, do I have money? What kind of job do I have? Okay, we are, we, are, we are going to talk, uh, uh, Titus. I'm straight away, I'm investing 10 goats uh, are, are coming from me on radio. It has been put right now. 10 goats. Roger. Okay. Roger. Just, uh -huh. yeah. Roger, just, just on that yeah. point, what I wanted to say. You see, it, it, a lot of things, look, I can invest $200. This is not going to change my life. Somebody else can put in $50. Somebody else can put in $1,000. That's why the concept of shares in the business is there. Yeah. But if we're going to wait until everyone has $10,000 to invest, we may not move. So to exactly. 20 people, $200, or 20 people with $500, maybe may take you shorter time than looking for one person with $500,000. So we, we have uh, I, I, And I like, I like that because uh, I think one point Bella made was how uh, people... Who, I don't know, Bella, you need to... To clarify your your point, where you said you should look for some people who have five thousand, um, yeah, uh, who can put say, uh, go ahead. Ah yes, no. What I was referring to is, you know, when you're starting a business, there are so many expenses that you can never anticipate. 
So what I was saying, right. like when you're trying to start a business, you have to look at the scale of the business that you're trying to start. And does the capital match or does the capital available match what you're trying to do? Uh, a good example is like, let's say you're trying to okay. to buy a McDonald's uh, franchise. You know, that's going to require, right. let's just say for the sake of argument, half a million dollars. You can't yeah. try to bring in people who are generating thirty, fifty thousand dollars per year as their annual income to purchase such an asset or business. You need people who are making way in access of such amounts of money so that when you put it together, no one feels as if they're being put under too much strain. Because you know, we've seen it happen. People try to buy a business, everything starts off well in the beginning, but somebody gets sick in the process. And they take a hit, they can't really contribute to, to that enterprise. But another thing, like maybe in Zambia, you're trying to buy a farm. The amount of money you need to buy a farm in Zambia is relatively very small. But at the same time, you still need people who are not going to be uh, affected by any major changes in their lifestyles. That's what I meant. I wasn't saying that you need uh, big okay. money. I okay. just meant like the amount of money being yeah. invested. I, depending on the size of the investment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, Roger, to be continued if you're interested. Yes, Richard. Just one last point on Ichilimba. Ichilimba works depending on why you are doing it. One thing that always, whether you're going to a business or an investment or a savings, you don't have a reason why. If you find that something that's working well for somebody else or not. Ichilimba, others will use it just to raise capital because I need uh, $1,000 or $5,000 at one time and then we have it but in the form of Ichilimba. I'll be able to get that one time five thousand for what I need to do. So every every investment, everything that you go, if you don't have a why, you will find that uh, yeah, that will yeah. Take you yeah. Off. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 one we grew up with uh, back in the mines uh, is one where people just contributed. It left you broke for at least three months until your turn came, and when they had uh, that money given to them guess what? They were in a hole for about three months, so it is just to recover. Um, yeah. The concept which you are bringing is you put money together, you give someone, you make sure they invest that money, uh, yeah. not they go shopping. I, I think that's yeah. the one we are used to in Zambia, where you give them the money, you, you don't even want to know what they are going to do with the money. In the yeah. end, they end up being broke all the, all the, all, all the time. Okay. Um, th- thank you for that. Uh, like Nathan said, th- this is uh, to be continued. I don't know who remembered. Uh, it was on radio, this radio. We started, uh, there's a company called, I think it is in America as well as here in Canada, Wealth, Wealth Simple. Um, their fees are very, very uh, low. You can invest as little as $10. They deduct from your your uh, your checking account every every whenever you tell them if it's every week paycheck or every two weeks and we we, we started I, I I forced my wife I convinced her I didn't force her, I convinced her to start now she now that she has more money than I do because me like brother who was saying I've got too many projects in them. Every little one it goes up. And remember we said on this radio, if we were partnering, 
uh, someone will be checking, no, you cannot uh, uh, remove your, your money. From the time I convinced my wife, you look at her portfolio, it is amazing. So I, 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 I hope we, we can all learn something. Like we were saying, this has been a university college. Uh, a lot of good things have come from here. So, Titus, don't forget about those goats. Uh, the quarter is down. You can buy, I was sending 200 today, it was almost 3,500 quarter. I'm like, wow. You know, so how, and how many goats are in? 200? How many? What are you using? What 200 you Canadian. Have? Oh, it's Canadian, so, Canadian, yeah. Canadian, it's a I spent $200, it's 4000 something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. Right. Yeah, I'm but Canadian it. is a little bit weaker okay. on the weaker side. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, today we are going to look at um, 30 minutes at the end of uh, we'll talk about the African youth uh, and the inevitable. Uh, we, we've seen they've stood up to the powers that be in Nigeria, um, we see, is it SARS, uh, the anti-robbery anti police, which has brutalized the communities of Nigeria? African people, man, I don't know. So, and now comes the, uh, the great leader in Uganda, Mseveni. He arrests this young boy. He, he likes to arrest all the time. By this time, the young said, we've had enough. They stood up. Again, on this radio, we've covered how much Africa, the youth, the youth, the number of the youth is growing with very limited opportunities. We've called that a time bomb. Are we looking at something now maturing in form of a time bomb uh, protest? Uh, as long as the youth don't have the opportunities they want. What are we looking at? That is the, at the end of the 15 minutes at the end of the hour. But let's, let's visit. Let's see who is here. Um, Brother Trump is still in the office. Um, Nathan, since time is gone. I re, somehow, I, I, I like what Trump is doing. I, I don't know if he's going to agree with me here. Trump not conceding. I, 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 I'm, I'm really liking it now. Um, because you'll be removed out of power very, very soon. I was reading an article from the New York Times. They said, uh, they were talking about how um, foreign leaders, they've stopped calling him. They don't call Trump anymore. Uh, business leaders, they're not calling Trump anymore. Uh, he this is a guy who fought the impeachment like nobody. And he thought, probably Trump thought he, 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 he could beat the system again. I, I, I don't know. The first question, I don't know who wants to answer this. Whatever Trump is doing right now, do you think he thinks he can beat the system and remain in power? Who wants to say something about this? Can I, can I address that? This brother Warren here. Brother Warren, I was, I was going, man, brother. <laughs> I want to jump into that. I think the lesson everybody should see in the behavior of uh, Trump is not at this point, <clears throat> focus, excuse me, not to simply focus on Trump, 
But look at the American culture that made him. I'm sure you all have heard the term white privilege over the past few months as it relates to racism. Trump is an example of white privilege. Even Obama, even Obama as president was not permitted to say what he wanted to say. He was not permitted to even do certain things uh, in the way that Trump is using the office of the presidency. Obama either even had to show that he was able to castigate black people. He had to show that he could be sympathetic with white people. But a white president, which were the presidents we've always had in this country, and in this case, Trump, you're seeing they can do whatever they want to do and got everybody intimidated and scared. Yeah. You see, so so the lesson in this is, is not to just simply focus on Trump himself, but look at the American <laughs> values that produced this man called Trump and how the same American values will protect him. Now, Brother Warren, that is where the, that is where I say I like what Trump is doing. Uh, the same example you have given, he's taken his uh, his uh, white privilege to some level. Mm-hmm. My thinking is that the coalition which has put Biden into power may just prove oh. to be too strong. And the white privilege probably will learn something from it. There are other aspects, Roger, uh, like Brother Warren is saying, is that to the come to the aspect of uh, white privilege, it has also exposed the establishment, the establishment's lack of principle. Because the Constitution is very clear on this issue and on these matters. But for the, you have a few Republican leaders, uh, Congress, Senators, I mean, God bless uh, Mitt Romney. And of course, what, makes, what a lot of people do not realize, what makes Romney stand out and take the position that he has taken, it's his faith. It's his faith to a great core aspect which is making him do that. You remember the statement he made even during the, during the what? what the impeachment. It? During the impeachment, yes. He made it clear, my faith. He made it very clear. So to, to, to add on to what Brother Warren has said, this issue to do with Trump's white privilege has also exposed a lack of principle on the GOP establishment. I have a question. Can, can do you the... agree, Brother Warren, uh, before you come in, uh, Titus, do you agree, Brother Warren, that the coalition, the way I see it, uh, if black people uh, really came together, the women, the youth came together, uh, this uh, gang, the white-only country we want, the white-only country, has, I don't know if we should say has no chance in America, or they are refusing to, to, to believe that they've been defeated. That's one thing. They don't want to accept defeat. 
Right? They know they've been defeated. But what is the consequence of them accepting defeat at the, right now, that they've been defeated? What is the consequence? Well, uh, to, to address your point about the coalition that the Democrats have, let, let me say this from what I've seen over the years. The, the Democrats uh, do a good job of putting together a wide range of interest groups, people, etc. It uses the symbolic nature of people's place and role in elected politics, but that's a short-term fix. For example, imagine people celebrating the capture of a pig. They've captured the pig, but they forgot to close the gate, so the pig escapes. And I think too often the Democrats do a good job of initially capturing the pig, but they never close the gate. And what do I what do I mean by that? Is that the point I brought up about white privilege is that it is not only a Republican thing, but even the white Democrats who are who are also corporate people and rich have disagreement among themselves. They're not going to be held accountable to a system that they created particularly for people that they feel are below them and inferior. A very good movie you guys should watch to kind of get an understanding of how America's power elite operate is a movie called Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. I don't know if you all have seen that movie, but you all should see that movie, and you get an idea of how America's power elite operate. They have these... uh, they have these superficial disagreements with each other on the surface. And a lot of times black people feel that one group of white people is for them, but it's really not all of that that we think it is. And so this situation with Trump, uh, the the question about the, the, the attitude about not accepting the results is just, a common front that's being put on yes. sending a message yes. sending a message that this is what we do, this is how we as Republicans act. You also see it with the response to COVID as well. It's an attempt to show unity in the face of opposition. Something the Democratic side, the liberal side, is gonna have problems with because there's so many factions within the liberal democratic side. The Republican side basically is just white people, white evangelicals, uh, and, 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 and poor whites who identify with the interests and the values of evangelicals and wealthy whites. So the Republican side is more consolidated as an identity group politically. The Democrats have so many people to satisfy and if one group in the Democratic Party kind of reminds you of an African country, <laughs> if one group doesn't get what they feel it needs, they may become angry and sit home or something like that. And so they're trying to do a delicate balance here, the Democratic liberal week. I was uh, almost uh, going to bring a discussion today uh, under the title Black and White. Uh, under black and white, one of the questions, Brother Patrick, I was going to ask, good morning, by the way, I was going to ask, is that um, 
the Democrats, the, the, the black people, we are going to need white people for us to do or to pass some laws. We, for us to make some changes, we, we want to happen in America. Uh, say, for instance, uh, police uh, brutality. If you see the laws, the way they are changing here in Canada, they are changing laws like nobody's business. What police cannot mm -hmm. stop you for no reason here in, 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 in Alberta where I am. They have to have 100% reason to stop you or they'll be in trouble. But again, this is uh, they make those laws. This is a white country. But in America, yes. to have mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell accept to pass a law in the Senate I'm saying to the black folk like myself and everyone else, we are going to need the whites to work with them. To the Republicans, what this election is telling them, if they want to rule again, they may need black folk to be part of the coalition, or else they will begin to kiss goodbye to ruling. I know that sounds a little bit uh, academic, but this is what this election uh, I said to them, it is very possible uh, what Brother Warren is saying. If we are 100 percent, all our coalition partners are 100 percent committed, Republicans cannot rule America again if they are not. Uh, uh, so they will need black people. They will need uh, the group from there, uh, from other groups to win. So we need each other. That is uh, the question. Anyway, comments, Brother Warren. Brother, yeah, uh, Patrick. Brother Patrick, hold on. Yeah. No, no. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Brother Warren, you can take this one. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll respond after <laughs> only because I, I'm kind of drained of politics at the moment, and I'm looking <laughs> yeah. for what we can do for ourselves. So, Trump will do, ahead, Trump will do that so, to you. Do Trump will do that to and, and, you. Yeah, no, it's not and, Trump. And, uh, it's not Trump. It's, uh, not Trump. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just want to say briefly, you're very correct about the, the Republican Party uh, calcul recalculating its moves, but here's the problem with that. You see, there's a large population of what you call whites who have no college degrees, blue-collar whites, and the thing that really attracts them to a party is when you send a message that you're going to crack down on black people. That really excites them. That makes them feel good. If they feel that blacks are going to get something out of the deal, they, go, they move away from that. That's just the way it's been in this country from the very beginning. So the Republican Party has been trying to make inroads with black voters, but here's the problem with those black voters those black voters who go with the Republicans are more extreme than the white races. And the Republicans know that most black voters are not attracted to that type of talk speaking against mm. them. So here's the, here's the point. Why are black people loyal to the Democratic Party? Plain and simple, because the issue of civil rights in the latter half of the 20th century was built inside the Democratic Party. The protection of black people's civil rights. That's the only reason why blacks. 
Number two, Democratic presidents appoint judges that are more liberal thinking as opposed to Republican presidents who appoint Supreme Court justices, uh, who nominate Supreme Court justices and appoint federal judges that are more conservative. That's the main reason why blacks in the Democratic Party. There are people who have been questioning black people's loyalty to the Democratic Party on the left. They're what we call black left thinkers who feel that blacks need to consider a third option. And in fact, that was being done in 1972. There was actually a meeting in Gary, Indiana, on to establish a black political party. It never happened because many of those people ultimately began to win election in the mainstream Democratic Party. So to make to raise your point about the Republican Party and its incursion into black voters, they have been doing that. But again, what the Republican Party has benefited from within the last 40 years is that what we call the angry white voter. The angry white voter. And the angry white voter wants somebody to demonstrate that they are willing to crack down on blacks and immigrants or any other people they consider un-American. So, so the, the Republican Party has no, the Republican Party has no motivation at this point to cut those white voters loose. Mm. Why are they angry? Because they were taught from generation to generation. You see, America was founded by the, the class dispute that existed in Great Britain spilled over into the American colonies. So the white elite, the landowners and the slave owners, in order to prevent the masses of poor whites from turning on them, gave them a concept called whiteness. And whiteness was like uh, a future check. You're a white person. You may be poor, but you can be up here with us one day. You can be a big land owner. You can be a slave owner. You are above the Negroes and the Native Americans. So we'll give you some privileges that you can do. You can kill. We won't hold the laws at the same level against you as we. So the point is, they were told that keep your eyes on them because they are taking something away from you. That's the philosophical ethos of whites in America to keep their eyes on the blacks because the blacks are taking something from them and the blacks are getting something. So anytime blacks receive equal protection or rights, it was perceived that that was done at the expense of white people, and that's in their cultural thinking. I was, uh, Brother Warren, somebody else wants to jump in. Brother Warren, I was um, uh, debating someone on uh, Twitter, and this white boy uh, who supports Trump, he says uh, something to the effect of uh, some of us who work for for our living, mm-hmm. and I challenged them. I said, uh, uh, th- th- "That's very funny. 
you put it, you work for a living. It's like only white people work for a, for a living. Others don't work for for their living. For their living. Oh, who mentioned white? I said to him, "It's me. I did. I just mentioned white to you." When when you say some of us who who uh, who work for a living, you are doing wink wink. Others don't work. They depend on uh, us paying taxes for for them to. So. I'm just agreeing with what you are saying. This is the way they, they see it. It is like they work, and uh, all other races depend on them. I, I don't know who tells them that. Yeah, that's yeah. They were taught. They were taught that. Yeah, and 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 it, and that's for their psychological. It's like people have mythologies about things, and so that's their mythology about how the country works. That. Uh, people are taking away from them. And so yeah. therefore, whenever you have politicians, they call them populists that appeal to them. They, they rally in a frenzy around that person because that person is uh, validating their self worth as white people. And so mm. uh, anybody that, that advocates directly, of course it's indirectly today which became a policy of the Republican Party since Ronald Reagan. We call it dog whistle politics. And you know a dog whistle, we can't hear the whistle, but a dog could hear the whistle. And so you use code language. Yeah, you use code language to, to communicate the same concept. Do, do you think this is, uh, we are talking about the non-educated what about mm -hmm. the evangelicals, the acceptance of uh, Trump? Uh, are they also in the same line, or they have got their own different agenda? Uh, the, the uh, again, evangelical after, after the passing of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, the Southern whites, who were basically Democratic voters, became angry because now blacks have been given these rights. So Republican Party years later incorporates, because the evangelical is basically the Southern Baptists, the Assemblies of God, non-denominational religions that were predominated in the Southern part of the United States. So they're all the same because who sits in these congregations? These same uh, uneducated and educated whites sit in these congregations of these ministers. They have hidden, basically, they have hidden uh, the articulation of white supremacist values underneath Christianity, underneath talk about the Constitution, underneath concern for democracy, underneath concern against communism and socialism. They have hidden those same values and beliefs about whites are superior underneath those concepts. And <laughs> again, guys, feel free to, to jump in. My thinking, Brother um, Warren, has been how strong, whatever you, talk, you, you, you are talking about here, uh, how strong it has been uh, meaning Trump can come with so many thoughts. They are willing to look away 
how many wives mm-hmm. he's, he's got. That does not matter. He, Trump is about to sell their country to Russia. That doesn't matter. As long as he is talking about mm-hmm. this division of blacks putting them away, that to them that is their primary, primary goal. They, they, it's, it, you know, you have, you have different players in the game. You have those at the top who understand why the game is designed that way. And then you have the people who promote the game, and you have the pawns of the game at the bottom. So many of these whites are pawns. They don't know, they don't really know how they're being manipulated and used by the elitist whites who sacrifice and exploit them. But because they have been given something as precious as whiteness, See, whiteness means I am not going to be treated like the black person. I had a, a friend of mine who's an Ethiopian. He's a professor at Temple University. And he said one day the little white janitor, he, the white janitor would talk to him every now and then. So one day the white janitor told him, well, you have a Ph.D., well, at least I'm white. And, I mean, and, and they understand the power. That's, that's why they can call the police. That's why, that's why when they want to instigate problems, they'll call the police because they know the police establishment sticks with them. They know the value of their whiteness. Where they're angry is because when they see black people and other non-white people become educated, acquire nice things, move up the ladder, in their mind, that's not supposed to happen. Mm. You see so they feel they're being left out because you had a Barack Obama president and his wife Michelle Obama, and they just felt like they were being left out. So Trump was successful in coordinating the campaign to speak to those people in coded language, in coded language. And at the end mm. of the day, the language meant, the the language meant this is the a white man's country. Yeah. Mm. hmm <laughs> Make America great well, again. I think, I think the um, I, and I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And Brother Warren brought up the fact that there is white privilege. Yes, there is white privilege, but you can only have privilege if you're around. If there are white people, I think the the fight that they're in now is a fight for survival. But twenty. 44, white people will no longer be the majority in the United States. Their, their numbers are dropping rapidly. The average firm count of a white of all males are going down, but the white males are going down just drastically. I mean, they're not reproducing at a rate to be able to sustain themselves at this point in the United States and in Europe. So in order to hold on to power, and this is at the elite level, at the high level, I'm talking, I'm not even talking party at this point, because both parties favor uh, population control, and I think everybody Mm -hmm. in this call knows what that means. Mm -hmm. They're fighting for their survival. Francis Cress Welsing, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing was on the Donahue show in the 80s. I can't remember what year it was, but she was on a show. It was a talk show, a TV talk, very popular TV talk show. And she was on there one time with white, it was a white, white supremacist group, like the Grand Wizard, the KKK, and all these people, right? And she said during one of the commercial breaks, she tapped the Grand Wizard, the KKK, I think that's who he was, 
tapped him on the arm and said, hey, I know that this is about your survival, your genetic survival. Mm. Um, while we talk about it, she says that he says, I want to talk about it, but they won't let me. And he never, he didn't tell her who they were. But whoever they were were more powerful than him. Right? So I just I'm just saying that this is this goes deeper mm-hmm. than just politics. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. the one people that have the ability to annihilate them genetically are the Africans. You have the deep the genetic <laughs> diversity to wipe them. I, out I agree with that. that. Right? Yeah. So they're in a fight for survival. We're thinking politics when they're thinking survival. So I just yeah, want to true. Yeah. That. yeah, that that's true. Uh, amen. Amen to everything you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just want also to add on there is a book which was written in nineteen eighty seven by Ben Wartenberg. And the book title is called The Birth Death. That book clearly states a decline, of course, in white population and sort of, I think they use the term race suicide. So to everybody's point here, it's true. White people see themselves in sort of a survival mode. But what we as black people need to do is to read because most of these uh, arguments or the templates that we have to follow, I think there's a book which was written uh, I think I forgot the name of the book, but this civilization. I think Doctor William. I think Brother Warren know the book. Chancellor William. Chancellor William. Yes, destruction of a white civilization. It it clearly writes out the game plan that we as black people need to follow. So I just wanted to echo the same sentiment that mm-hmm. there is also another book, The Birth Death, talks about the decline. And it matches up with what we are seeing today, especially in the Republican Party. Just wanted to add on to this discussion. And uh, Roger, to to Pat to Patrick's point about white people's survival, uh, mm-hmm. you know, census census studies, demographic studies, and all those things. I'm sure you have probably all heard this already. You know, the census projections are reflecting that the Latino community will become the majority in this country. Mm-hmm. Very soon, yeah. So I'm just echoing Patrick's point of the white people looking at it as a survival point. That, that, that's very true. They are fearful. The Latinos mm-hmm. will be the majority in this country very soon. That's what census projections are reflecting. Yeah. Um, I want to say this. Uh, I appreciate calling in. I do have a show at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 2 p.m. Central with a young lady talking about what happened to the black population in Argentina. So she has researched uh, Argentina and the black population, and I'll be doing that to talk about, we're talking about the disappearance of certain demographic groups there. So that'll be 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And whenever we convene, I would love to talk about the African youth and the relationship between black youth around the world and how they can learn from each other because they're actually an endeavor I'm working on where I would like to bring together youth from different parts of the black world uh, in a camp, a camp concept to learn from each other. 
Oh, wonderful. And that show is uh, uh, today? Oh, yeah. What, 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 yeah. The show is about Argentina today, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Okay. Uh, Argentina, it's called The Disappearance, Argentina's Black Population. How do we listen? On what platform is it? Okay, uh, I'll give you the number. My show is called New Orleans Wake Up. It's called New Orleans Wake Up, and the number is 516-387-1933. 516-387-1933. New Orleans Wake Up. So that is it. Five one six three eight seven one nine three three. Yes, one nine three three. Okay, New Orleans, uh, wake up. One other concept, Roger, if I can add. I want people to expand whatever could have read or could have seen. Uh, we always forget the fact that when there was world wars, America and England were not in the same group. But the moment they would talk about, let's get rid of Bin Laden, or Saddam Hussein, I should say, <laughs> all of a sudden they're in one group. And this is the same thing that uh, I think Warren or Patrick mentioned, where what the problem is with the democratic group. We always have fractions of extreme left, extreme liberal. We have problem in that camp. When I take it to the Africans, there's no way you can say, you know what, this problem that we have, <laughs> let's forget about this, let's concentrate on this white person who's troubling us, or this Chinese. You will find the Zambian has partnered with the Chinese to deal with the Zambian again. <laughs> <laughs> and the same Chinese will just say, ah, it looks like that one who doesn't have money, give him more money or give him more guns. And the fight continues and he can take all the land, he can take all minerals. We'll be fighting. We'll, I don't know. We may not even discover that this was induced. So the same thing mm. happens. I think there's this weakness where we finger point, we do this and that, and we can't come together. And yet mm. these white people, when you talk about the term of not white or privilege, they look at it as survival. They quickly understand that, you know what, for me to survive here, I need just... I can do away with the problem we have at hand. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but for right now, the big one is this one. So all of a sudden, we start wondering in our heads to say, how can these other people, the white people, follow this Trump? The simple reason is <laughs> on a scale of survival. <laughs> they have no choice but to, 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 to follow yes. Trump. Even if so, they yes. just do. When you ask yourself, when yes. after Biden we knew these results, a lot of people were on the streets happy. Myself, yeah. I ask myself, which one are the 71 million? We should be less. should be not around here. I'm just telling you that the same people that would have voted for Trump will be joining us happy to just show you mm. that oh. They're happy. But who voted for Trump? Where do they get the 71 million? That's when I have to dissect the people celebrating. Some of these people, they're faking something. Just to contain okay. me, then they're the one that voted anyway. So, so be safe. Now we, we, we tend to... Yeah. 
we turn to our I, I, I main discussion for today. Go, go, go ahead, Brother Patrick. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I thought we you were talking. Um, yeah, we turn to our discussion. Maybe uh, you, you're going to take this uh, to your. It is a line. I hope it lines up well with what you'll be discussing. Uh, I'll be sleeping by then. I'm working this weekend. Uh, next week, I'll join your show. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the African youth and the inevitable. So we, we've seen the, the youth stand up to the leaders in um, those who have been following the events in Nigeria. Uh, it's been uh, NSAS. Is it NSAS? Yeah, NSAS. We've seen a lot of, and I'm so glad uh, how celebrities, uh, PDD, uh, actors in America, standing up, uh, saying answers in in Nigeria. I've been very, very happy. I wish we can begin to recruit more of our fellow friends, uh, fellow African Americans, to. To have a bigger say in what is happening, especially in Africa. Africa is projected to have, I don't know, maybe we are already 1.2 billion people, and half of that uh, population is the young, between the ages of 18 to 25. Half of that. And like I said, those are people without opportunities. Those are people without jobs. They are going uh, into canoes, crossing the Mediterranean, dangerous trips to go find some opportunity in Europe. Thousands and thousands and thousands are dying. And no one probably is even saying, counting uh, how many have died. A lot of our young are are dying under the ocean disappearing just like that. We who are on radio, we are seated, we are all happy, uh, Trump this, Trump that, but there is some Armageddon happening right now in Africa. Those who are unable to make the trips, they sit and watch a bad leadership. Take away the little opportunity which could be shared among the population the, the, the bad leadership they, uh, they share among us themselves. And if you dare to speak up, you are thrown in jail. But we've seen this week, NSAS, uh, now Uganda, the, the, some of the young Nathan in, uh, in, 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 in Uganda. Museveni has been president for 35 years. They've known nobody but Museveni. They are 27, they are 20 years old, 25, 30. They've known nothing but Museveni. Some of us who are a little bit older, we knew there was Idi Amin back in the day. Yeah. The question is, do our leaders in Africa realize the inevitable? Oh, maybe this inevitable will never, will never come. What is the inevitable with this kind of crisis of the young without opportunity? What is the inevitable for, 
for most of the African countries, including Zambia. I don't know if my question is straightforward. Who wants to say? Uh, Tali, um, yeah. I, I think the, the inevitable is that uh, when I do something wrong, I'm going to cry for two months and forget about it. If I insist on speaking to Congress, as soon as I pronounce myself president, you are going to get over it, and I can keep going to on doing whatever I'm doing. Our problem is we need to begin to tackle one item at a time and see it to conclusion. Because we cry about something and then we stop moving to the next thing. Meanwhile, that thing is never dealt with. You know, um, I, and so that, that case remains running and it's not done like that. If something instance that we cry for two days, we forget about it, move on to the next case. And we never see anything to conclusion. So, for instance, um, when we see a president or an MP or anyone has been accused of corruption, we see it to the end. Dora Syria should never be in any office. After she buried so much money underground, where did that money come from? We never conclude. The fire truck, we have never concluded. So each African country has their own issues like that. Zimbabwe, you came mm-hmm. into power after Mugabe promising this. Now you are going back on the same reasons why we thought you were our savior. You are selling out. And so we're going to forget about it and move on to something else. We've got to be able to conclude issues. When someone does something wrong, see it to a conclusion. You know, and not because they know. That's why they can do things without impunity. People fear consequences. They know. People are going to cry and they're going to forget about it. And my life continues. You know. Okay. Uh, they, they, they are going to forget about it. I, I, I don't know. Probably it's, it's true. Um, again, same question, Nathan. Will the African young continue? Uh, just being spectators as they are eaten alive by the hyenas who, who are supposed to be their leaders. Will they just sit and watch? No, they won't. You, you see, there comes a time in human life and history when a certain generation will just say enough is enough. And we've seen this happen, Roger, many times. Uh, mm-hmm. A perfect example would be, and these small pockets of revolutions, if I may call them that way, that's what happened, so to speak, in 2008. Who were the people that put, who, who came out in numbers and did what they did and gave the vote to Obama? It was the, the young people. We saw it in Zambia, 1990, 1991, that special election that uh, removed Dr. Kaunda. It was the young people. Whether we try to admit it or not, at the end of the day, it's like you get this group of people, like you have said, Museveni has been there for 35 years. So you are basically saying anybody who falls in that age bracket all they have known is Museveni. They are going to, they get to a point where they're like, you know what? Uh, no, I think we deserve better. They, they all mm. becomes, the only problem or challenge is like, I don't know whether it's just the, the span of human life, like Alan has said, it takes us a bit too long and we let this thing drag for a while before we get to that point. 
Well, I think it's also good to, that can answer my own question, it's also good to do with a, a group of young people who just come up and say, you know what, this is enough, it's enough. No, we are not going to continue living like this. Even in this election, we have seen it. The young people were like, oh, no, come on. They're better than this. We are better than this. We can't. Where have you seen an election where you have one of my favorite things in this, Brother Warren and Patrick, what happened? One of my favorite posters was, I'm a Republican, but I'm not a fool. I like that. I'm a Republican, but I'm not a fool. You see, all what people are trying to tell you is that, hey, they, you reach a point where what I value, you are not going to hijack what I value. I deserve a better life than this. And I'm just not going to have you treat the national treasury like your personal pocket. You know how these, they, this current mm. generation, the millennial, they'll just tell you like it is. We've talked about financial uh, issues or values. Our children talk to us and carry conversations, Roger, we didn't with our parents. It's not being rude. That's who they are. And we need to understand that. That's who they are. They are not rude. They think like they have a place where they need to express themselves and tell you how they feel. It's not, this is not 1972 or 1962. This is going into 21 in a few weeks' time. And that inauguration is going to take place, by the way, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> but Anjovu, um, uh, Nathan here is using a very, uh, let me characterize it as a very dangerous word. Enough. That's what Nathan is saying. Enough is enough. Uh, it might sound like a very simple word, but it can also be a very uh, dangerous word. The older guys are going to say, okay, you've said enough, but then what are you going to do? Now, qualify it. How could this be a very dangerous thing when the young say enough is enough? What is the potential they are capable of doing to a country or to a society or to a community? Well, as far as the community is concerned, what you're doing is you're forcing criminality onto the young. You're forcing corruption onto the young as a means of survival and having a decent way of life. Uh, that's the unfortunate side effect of not having opportunities for young people is that you're putting them in a position to have to make a choice. Um, and you're pushing criminality onto them. And it's very unfortunate and it's unfair, right, to do these kind mm -hmm. of things to young people. You know, so then when the young people turn, everybody wants to look at them as criminals. No, you force them into that position. Not all of them, some of them. So. Mm -hmm. I, it, it, you, you don't do this because I believe that if you're trying your best and it's not working, that's one thing. But if there's corruption at the top that's preventing uh, opportunities from presenting themselves to young people, that you're creating 
that it's a soft form of violence against young people. It's a form of you're 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 you're, you're really putting them in a bad situation, and it, uh, to me, it's a soft form of violence against young people. Today. Mm. And they will get tired. Mm. You're not you're forcing them to have no other choice but to think revolution and overturning. What other what yeah. other options do do yeah. they have? And I want somebody else out here to answer. What other options do they have? If they try to vote and they can't do it through voting, then what is what is the alternative? You see? So, I mean, it's already happening in some of the countries like South Africa. Um, the, the, the criminality uh, in, in that part of the world is uh, off the roof. People have no, no humanity in them. They, they can kill you in one second. This is one way, Nathan, why your enough could be very dangerous. Some would say, well, I have no humanity in me. I can easily kill. That that is okay. Enough is where you've uh, you've lived without a meal for so many days, and therefore you look at yourself. You are dead. So going in a place to kill for a meal is probably just going to be okay. I, I, I'm dead already. Roger, this and Julius Malenka talked about this in South Africa. He spoke. Of, he said that very yeah. thing, which you just said, right? So it's it's yeah, it's just, it's very very unfortunate. And it, what makes it even worse is now that they have they have access to the internet, so they get exactly. online and they look on Instagram and they look and they see how people are living well and traveling and other black people like themselves. Yes. Even, Yes. Even though it's just inflated and a lot of it is just a, an illusion, they can see other people yes. driving nice cars and yes. all this stuff, and then they got to look around at their yes. situation where they're in squalor. And at some point, they're going to be like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let this happen. Right? Yes. Because you, what you see, Roger, the, po- the, the point Very quickly, hold it, and Nathan, what Brother Patrick is saying. Uh, I, I was thinking about it here in Canada where I am. The youth, nothing. They are always graduating high school, grade 12. Once they graduate from grade 12, you never see them in the street. They have jobs. They are gone in the industry. Yeah. Every year, every year, every year. They graduate and every year they are gone. And then the African, the African child, we were talking about uh, is it white privilege, uh, whatever it is. But back home, university student, you have no opportunity. And you look across the internet, a, a high school kid, grade twelve, straight from work, he has a job. It may not be what and what, but at least he can put food on the table for his family. He can be respected. And you call yourself a graduate from the University of Zambia? 
Go ahead, Nathan, you had a point there. You see, you also mentioned what Patrick mentioned, which I just wanted to add on. Internet. Internet. They have access to the internet. You saw what they, you saw what they did. The, the internet part of this, this TikTok has been on uh, Trump's campaign. It's been a pain in the neck, a pain in the whatever. <laughs> did, did you see what they did? The TikTok when they come, the Trump campaign put up that number for people to call to report voter fraudulence and in malpractices. <laughs> you saw what the kids did. I'm just trying to highlight the point that they started calling just like they did when he had a rally in Oklahoma. You remember that? They yes. they took all the tickets. They went and registered and signed up for the tickets. And they just took the tickets. And the Trump thought a million people were going to show up. But that's what the kid, the youth did. That thing Patrick is saying, internet. They did the same thing when they put the Trump campaign put up that number for people to report voter malpractices. Oh, they said, stop calling. You see? <laughs> Don't play with this generation, my friend. They'll get you. <laughs> they started calling. Just they call, they make a joke. They were flooded with calls. Just joking. Calling to just make jokes about it. That's what the internet does. So the internet is is bringing to, together, number one, they are able to see in real time how their counterparts in Europe, those who are leaving high school, are able to live in America, and they are able to say, what, what is the difference? Just Is it just the location which is a problem? We have copper in Zambia. We have gold in Zambia. We have every natural resource you can think about in Zambia. And you can tell me I, I should not have any opportunity. The African youth. Roger, can I come and the, yeah, go, go ahead, Bayama. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, the youth is a big uh, uh, something that we have to keep talking about. It. And uh, when we talk about the youth, too, we should blame ourselves, too. What kind of things have we done for the youth? Uh, to copy from us. And you, t today you had a very good uh, uh, discussions about uh, how the community, Zambian community, and there's a lot of things that I was uh, uh, thinking going up in my, in my mind, especially you as diaspora. You know, when diaspora comes together, I I'd like to hear your experiences. And uh, the reason, uh, you, you, uh, you even mentioned yourself about uh, people jumping in a canoe to risk their lives, you know. I was very fortunate at the age of uh, when I was a teen, I didn't know what to do on the farm, and I'm not blaming my, my parents or anybody else. And there's a missionary came from uh, the U.S. We went all the way to Congo. One individual with his family, oh, Daniel, drill that door, drill that, uh, use this, use this. And I said, oh, my goodness, you can do this without uh, so much money? Just by uh, delegation, by waking up in the morning, by being honesty, and uh, you know, within a few weeks we had a flushing toilet. You know, that guy has made an impact in my life up to today. Then I came back here in this country, finding the same thing their communities are doing. The, the whole people are leaving something for the young people. They're sacrificing. So the the thing we have to challenge ourselves: what are we doing for the youth? That when we are we when we leave this uh, this world, 
the youth is going to emulate. I'm very, you know, you guys, uh, uh, some of you, you are very aware of what I went through with my sickness. You know, I'm very fortunate. Thank you for your prayers and for your support. And a young man, a young man approached me to drive them around their construction work. I'm the oldest people in the in the in the in the in the camp in 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 the in the group, and this 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 young man, they dress one pint in all week. One one week he's dressing a pint that is worn, and we are getting up in the cold weather. We are working, but when we get in at uh, at the work work site, we jump in a vehicle that man. You drive, you are very comfortable. And these guys, some of them, they never even went to school. And, you know, are you going to blame these kids? Are you going to blame them that uh, it's, a, it's a white privilege? You know? This is because they are, they, 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 their forefathers stood up for their rights today. They stood up. So the thing we have to challenge with our, ourselves is, what are we doing? When we deny the passport, you know, like myself, you know, I was denied a passport in Zambia. Should I keep quiet? I need people to know that I was denied, and I need, you know, without an American uh, uh, people, I would have been going just as they are quiet. So there's, I know there's bad people out there, but as, as uh, 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 especially my generation, I'm blaming my generation, Zambian generation. What have we done? What have we sacrificed, you know, for the youth to copy from? That's a we that's have, a very you, big you, question, you, Bayama. You 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 go to the. That's a very big uh, question. I, I, you are you are Two comment, two comment, and I'm, I'll be done. I go camping with uh, with uh, with uh, with the people, and I look. At, I never look up to the sky. You know, I went and uh, look up in the sky, and I look. Oh man, there's rings around the uh, planet. There's so much you can see planets uh, around. You know, but what what what. Are, I mean, and this is a poor, poor people, but they do things that, oh, my, once you look up to the sky, your environment changes. You, you get up on a, on, a, uh, on, a, on a racing track as a kid, you can be, your motorcycle flies there, they carry you to the hospital, and they, 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 they work on, they, they, they teach you to live a life that, you know, um, take, I mean, uh, uh, you take risks. But, 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 you've so, made your point. You, you've made your point. We, the question you hear you pose is: we, we have to blame. We have to blame ourselves, especially my generation. I, I agree. The generation, I, I agree. Generation, white generation, my generation, they have done something to their youth, and they're sitting back. My gener, the white generation, my generation, they're sitting back and watching their kids. You know what they what they, it's amazing diaspora you have so much information just like roger you said you have a phd and when we talk about white privilege we should be very very careful you know i mean this is a very complicated history i know when it comes to slavery and stuff like that but as white people have suffered you know we have to be very 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 uh, we have to what now, have you, know, you done? Uh, the, 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 the big thing I'm getting from your statement, Rayama, which is very critical here. Uh, according to the headline for our discussion, is the African youth and the inevitable. And in my confused mind, Rayama, I'm thinking of blaming only the leaders. But uh, when you put, you pose, when you pose this question. What about us? So many things. I, I, I think about um, 
my own son. I've provided him uh, with all the advice he needs to attend school here in Canada. Uh, driving, sending, he, he's done his driving. He is in uh, university. What about the other youth, the other young, those who are dying under under the Mediterranean Sea, crossing the African? What have I done about their welfare? That's a question you you fought. No, mama, tlan defingi ninka fnyamo na kafnyamo kajuwe ya manam komfa na mupangaram stam posinga kajuwe akasumasan. What are you? What are we doing? So this is going to be. Um, a, a community project, a family project, a radio project. What are we doing to help the African youth? We know our leaders are not yeah. going to do it. We know that. Our leaders aren't going to do it. We know, we, we, we know that. Uh, the next question is, is the African diaspora should... should actually, this goes to what Rayama has just posed here. The African diaspora, uh, are we doing uh, enough uh, to support the youth movement uh, in, in, in Africa? Again, when I looked at what they did, they did uh, in, Niger in Nigeria, uh, the PDDs of this world, uh, all the uh, movie stars, uh, name them, you, you name them, they had to tweet about it. At least they knew what was happening in Nigeria uh, using social media, uh, Facebook, and, and, and Twitter. This fight for their survival as well, for the youth who wants to have a go. Um, the, the African diaspora, are we, uh, how can we help uh, the, the, these people? What are the areas where we can be helpful? Um, yes, I can step up and help one or two, but there is need to change. Our, our leadership thinking in Africa has to change so that resources which belong to the entire community, it benefits the entire community. I can send one or two uh, to university or to school, but that's just about it. But Zambia is endowed with copper, with a lot of minerals, cobalt, that which should be benefiting the entire community, the global, the, the global family in Zambia. Question is how, um, or maybe we haven't even thought about it, Nathan. How can we be of help to the youth? Um, any ideas? How can we help the youth? It's a big question. To mobilize. That there, there. That's that's something to be discussed in a meeting. Um, it's not just a discussion on radio, but it's a meeting. And I've noticed, and I don't know if anybody else here has, but I've noticed that any time there's, you know, there, there a meeting is required. There are certain people who shy away, but I think that we all need. You know, there needs to be a meeting to break down what the problems are. And I think someone just said it. You know, we're, we're so scattered. There's so many problems. We don't know where to take the first bite, right? <laughs> it's not an easy mm. elephant, and we don't know which part to bite first. So 
we need to put these problems in front of us, pick one, because they're all related, pick one and and come up with a project that may be small but that we can do so we can have a win, right? Like so we can get something accomplished no matter how small it is, and then we build on that, right? So... I want to uh, chime in on that topic, too. I think that it's important that there are people who are not considered young people anymore to back up young people. And in, in any civilization, no particular generation does it all by themselves. All of the generations are interconnected. So the senior citizens or the elderly are in partnership with, with the youth, and in the middle, those in the middle in partnership with both the the, mm. the, the elders and, like and, and the youth, and so I, mm-hmm. so so one thing I think the youth themselves have to understand that that they that they can't have the world for themselves as young people because they're not going to always be young. They're going to get old, and so what we must have is we must have a type of we we must have a type of uh, ability to understand that they're going to be those coming after us, and so we ha- we have to pass on the bucket of water to put out any future fires. What I like about so what I like about social media, including YouTube channels and vlogs, is that you can see that there's an interaction between young people around Africa and communicating with blacks in the United States and in the Caribbean. I, I actually see these channels myself. And uh that's important. And one of the topics a lot of young people, because a lot of young people are talking about many topics when they're in communication with other young people. It's not just politics for the sake of politics. They're talking about the issue of colorism among black populations. They're talking about beauty. They're talking about, uh, you know, even people in the United States who want to travel to Africa. You have a a, a, a larger group of young African-Americans traveling to Africa, even living there now. And so I think that the young people are finding their way and their voice in this new thing called social media. Within sure. each country, within each country, there, there are problems that young people are caught into. And so on that in particular, I always try to encourage African-Americans who want to relate to Africa, I always try to encourage them not to get involved with the local politics of a particular African country, to just seek connection, seek dialogue, travel, and try to help contribute to a local community, school, church, community project, but kind of stay out of the political stuff. Because sometimes is not as clear cut as it may look to us, even when we read the news <laughs> or see newspapers. So, so I just think young people should be supported by adults who recognize and understand what it is they're asking for. Young people don't all, are, are not always clear what it is they want, but what they do want is they want something better than they already have. Well, well put, uh, like Brother Patrick uh, uh, said it, what, what is the, the problem? The number one problem is youth unemployment. That one is mm-hmm. a, I'm, I'm not sure even the debate we're supposed to have. All they want is, is a job. 
A boy mm-hmm. just wants to have a job. Roger. Maybe yeah. he can have a wife, and tomorrow he can have a family. But all they are asking for is a job. And they know why they can't have that job. Because of probably yeah. corruption has taken away mm-hmm. that opportunity. The money which is meant uh, to put in a uh, university, the money which is meant to create new industries, uh, someone decides to buy a plane. Anyway, uh, Brother Warren, Brother Patrick, we'll we work on a program. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to work on some of this uh, program you've talked about where we can send some of the, the, the young ones uh, on the exchange program. They, let them start going to Africa, see how their fellow uh, black kids are, are living there. And maybe we have a good um, administration. We bring some here. Uh, so they can be exchanging some ideas. Thank you so much, uh, everyone. Uh, so open your eyes, see how you can help that one youth in one country instead of going to die in the Mediterranean. We can save, we can save a life. Until next week, join me, brother Warren. Today is going to be on radio at 15, and the radio program is called New Orleans Wake Up. Uh, the number is one. Five one six three eight seven one nine three three. Give a call there and uh, participate uh, in the program. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a good weekend.